Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new, uh, just streaming in, checking out Mission Church, wherever you're at. Uh, I'm Tyler, the pastor here. Uh, we are doing church at home. Uh, we are in a club uh, in downtown Walnut Creek. Uh, and we are, yeah, come on now. And uh, we are drinking lots of water. Um, at the club and uh, just having a good time. Now, uh, you're wondering who's in the room. This is our staff. Some people help us uh, set up teardown. Uh, really thankful that we had about 30 people be able to come out and just help us pull this off so we could have church at home. So, so glad you're tuning in. Uh, also, if you're brand new, we're in the middle of a series titled When Life Happens. When Life Happens. It's a study in the book of Philippians. And now, if I could just uh, be honest, uh, when I started studying this book, I had no idea uh, how just perfect it would be for this time. It's a real book, four chapters. Uh, it doesn't shy away from hardships, it doesn't shy away from trials. It talks about how life is good and then life is bad. That life can be peaks and then life is valleys. Life can be really, really happy and then life can be really sad. So in the inconsistencies of life, from every news story that's coming out right now, from every phone call we get from people, how do we stay solid, how do we stay grounded, and how do we have joy in the midst of uncertain circumstances? Well, Philippians 2 shows us that. So today's uh, title of my message is When Trials Happen. Woof! It's like God planted or something. Um, and then the subtitle of that, if you're taking notes at home or here today, is driving with joy. Driving with joy. We got any good drivers in the house? Raise your hand. Who are my bad drivers? Like your friends are like, I'm going to drive separate, okay? Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's my boy Drew Deasy. If you're watching, Andrew, you know you're a bad driver. Been in four wrecks with you in my life. That's way too many wrecks. That's four too many wrecks. Um, that's truth. Uh, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, we're going to uh, start there. Now, just to give you a little context for this scripture and this, this chapter, uh, it's an amazing thing. The Church of Philippi is a young church, and we're a young church. We're two years old. We're two years old, and this is their first, woo, shout out for two years old, um, and it's their first big trial. It's their first big test of the church. How are they going to navigate uncertainty? Paul's in prison. Are they still going to make it? They're, they're great apostles, so they're discouraged, and I love what Paul writes in Philippians 2. If you have a Bible, Philippians 2, 1, here we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? You hear this. I hope you hear the pleading from Paul. It sounds like he's about to plead for his life, but he's not going to plead for his life. He's actually going to plead for the church's life. Here's what he says. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Stop. You got to see what Paul's doing here. He understands that this is the first test, and he's saying, hey, hey, I get it. There's a trial. Don't start doubting now that God's not good. I get it. there's a trial. Don't start thinking that, that, oh my gosh, it's over. The church is done. Paul's gone. It was all about Paul. It's never all about Paul. It's always, always all about Jesus. Um, let me use an illustration of what Paul's trying to do. Um, I uh, lived in L.A. for seven years, and in those seven years, um, I learned a lot of things about people who are born and raised in L.A. and lived there for a long time. So I grew up in Washington State. Shout out for anybody who's streaming from Washington State. My people uh, moved to California. I saw it snowed today, okay? That's sinful, all right? So anyways, um, so we, uh, uh, we moved down to L.A., and I remember the first time it rained in L.A. Now, in Washington, it rains nine months a year. Rain is nothing. Like, it's like a normal day. You know how to drive in the rain. You know what to wear in the rain. Well, in L.A., people lose their minds. Like, they just go absolutely crazy. I didn't know this because I didn't live in L.A. So the first time it rained, I was like, oh, just a normal rain day. I get my car. I get on the freeway. And I thought it was Armageddon. People were acting just crazy. Like, ah, you know, there's wrecks everywhere. I was like, what's going? It's not snowing. It's not like there's not like um, uh, a bunch of uh, ice all over the floor. Why is everybody acting crazy? Here's the deal. People in L.A. have no idea how to drive in the rain. They have no idea how to drive in storms. 
And, and I'll, I'll just put it this way. There is nothing worse than driving on an LA freeway on a rainy day with people who don't know how to drive. It's, it's like a nightmare. You're like, am I gonna get hit today? Am I gonna get a shot at today? What's gonna happen? Now, let's rewind to what Paul's saying. He's saying, okay, church, I get it. You're, you're discouraged, but, and I'm pleading with you. Is there any comfort? Here's what I need you to do. There's nothing worse than going through a trial with somebody who doesn't know how to go through a trial with you. There's nothing worse than going through a painful valley that people who don't know how to navigate a valley. He said, I'm gonna teach you how to drive through valleys. I'm gonna teach you how to navigate through the hardest seasons of your life. Because here's what happens. The church at this moment, don't you start honking at each other saying, it's your fault why church isn't going well now. Oh, now you start getting divided. Here's what Paul knows. Division is a terminal case that leads to death. And he sees it. He says, oh, this is, the enemy would love to use this trial to divide the church. He would love to use this trial in your family to divide your family. He'd love to use this test to, to divide everything. And he's saying, do not let it divide you. Learn how to go through these valleys. And so Paul, like a, just like great father, God using him to write pen to paper, the, the word of God, he says this. This is, this is what it gets, oh, it gets so good. He goes on, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Can you imagine if there was like a leadership void in the church now? Okay, I'm gonna impress you. I'll tell you my resume. You ever been around somebody? You talk to them for about an hour and they never ask you how you're doing, but you found their life story out? And that they're very like, that was a great conversation. We should do it again sometime. You talked, I did, my name's Tyler, by the way, okay? Um, don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Right here, he has given them the tools. As you go through the valley, man, you gotta be humble. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress people while you're going through the valley. He goes on to say, don't look out for your only own interest. Don't look out for your own interest. If you've got three rolls of toilet paper, if you've got a case at your house, give one to your neighbor. Stop hogging all the toilet paper. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> Don't look out for all your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What he's saying is we're not called to be joy takers, we're called to be joy givers. Let me ask you this question. Uh, uh, do you have that family member during Christmas time or Thanksgiving uh, that just steals joy out of the room? Now, if you don't have that family member, you might be that family member, okay? Just give it up. You're like, no, nobody does that. Ooh, you better check yourself, okay? Uh, do you have that person you work with that just steals joy out of the workplace? And if you don't, check yourself at the workplace. Because what Paul is saying is, hey, we don't need joy takers when we go through trials. We need joy bringers. We need people to bring a humble posture saying, hey, I get that I don't know what we're gonna do, but I know who sits on the throne still. I get it, I'm not the most impressive person, but I'll be the most faithful person. I get it, I'm not the most selfish, uh, selfless person, but I can learn how to serve more. I've never served before, but since Paul's gone, there's probably gonna be void. I'll be a servant. I don't need to be the leader, but I can be a servant. I, I look at the church today, and humility is such a, normal word we use, but I don't know if we actually know how to operate in it. And so what I love about Paul, he says, I'm gonna show you the greatest driver. I'm gonna show you somebody who knew how to drive through valleys better than anybody else, and their number one trait was humility. And that driver is no other than the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, his name is Jesus. He describes him this way. He says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That word must is a Greek word, you must have the same mind. He's saying, if we're gonna get through this valley, if we're gonna get through this trial, you can't think the way you think. You can't act the way you wanna act. You can't process the way you process. You gotta drive the way Jesus would drive through the valley. You gotta hear his words. You gotta process the way he'd process. And he doesn't leave us just there. He actually unpacks how Jesus would process. He says this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Now, I don't know about you, but man, everybody's trying to posture to show that they're better than. Man, walk into a room and show people that you know how to serve them goes on to say, he goes, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You know what the hardest thing for me to do sometimes is? Is keep my mouth shut when people are being stupid. 
When somebody's saying something on Instagram or Facebook and Twitter on what we should do right now, and I say, Lord, I'm about to die a, a little death right now because I want to tell them to shut up. But that's not how you drive through the valley when somebody's loud. That's not how we drive. And here's what Paul's really saying, if I could put it this way. Joy is not found in what you're doing. Joy is found in who you're becoming. Let's just look at our culture. How many questions do you get like this in your life? Hey, so what are you doing this weekend? Hey, what do you do for a living? Hey, what have you done? What have you accomplished? How many people ask you this like on a Friday? Hey, man, who are you becoming? What? That's, a big, that, that's, that, that's the question Paul's saying. Paul, Paul's not focused on what do you do here and what you do here. He's saying, he's saying, hey, the standard to be able to drive, it's not a do thing, it's a who thing, and his name is Jesus. And if you want to actually know how to drive through the valleys, stop focusing on all the things you're doing. Isn't it fascinating, even when we try to describe what joy is in our life, if I could just do this and do this and do that, then I'll be joyful. No, no, no. Paul's saying when you become this person, his name is Jesus, that's when you can actually enjoy life. Because you're going to go through valleys. You're going to go through valleys. But if you actually have the mindset of Jesus, valleys are nothing anymore to you. You know how to navigate. Let me, let me put it this way even. Uh, I love this. The first thing Philippians 2 establishes, if you're going to drive with joy, you must become joy. Joy is not something that you're trying to find. It's actually something you're supposed to become. And I, I, I love how Paul says it. He, uh, Paul uh, kind of encapsulates it. Joy is not a place or an idea. He shows it. Joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. Joy is a person, and his name is Broar. Joy is a person, his name is Doug. Joy is a person, his name is Angelo. Joy is a person, his name is Jordan. This is what he's trying to say to the church. We need people to actually go, I know my name is Tyler, but actually I'm becoming Joy. My other name is Joy. I didn't know you knew that. John Stott, the commentary in Romans, he says, the main, the main purpose of a Christian, the main sign of a Christian is joy. I'm going to show you that today. Let's look at the first one. So why, why, is it, why is it so important that we drive well? Anybody have that Jesus fishy on their car? Anybody got that Jesus fishy on their car? You know what I'm talking about? Or the, or the, I remember the big one was, uh, follow me to church today. You know, like one of those bumper stickers. Or how about the one where it, it says, uh, you know, um, uh, WWJD. Do you remember those ones on the cars? I got none of that on my car for a reason, okay? I'm just going to keep it real. But I'm getting to a place where I actually feel more confident I could put it on my car. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Now, uh, let me show you in Philippians 2 why it's so important for us to drive with joy. It says this in Philippians 2, uh, verse 12. So he doubles down on who we're supposed to become, Jesus. And then this is because now we know who we're supposed to become. This is how we're supposed to operate. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Man, work hard. It is hard being like a kind person. It is hard deferring to people. It is hard forgiving. But Paul says you got to work hard at it. It is hard to show people that God is good. It is hard to be patient with people. But he says, we got to work hard at it. He goes on to say, work hard at it to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Oof. That word crooked is scoliosis. And you may know that word. It sounds like scoliosis. It's a Greek word that means crooked. And the reason why it's using this term, it's not just talking about crooked. It's talking about the way you build your life, the way society builds it. If you know anything about a bent pillar or even scoliosis, it, what hurts is you can't carry the weight that you're supposed to carry. And he's saying the world is built in a bent way, so when hard times come, they crumble. You're not supposed to crumble. He's saying, we're not supposed to be crooked. We have a straight path. We know the way to operate. Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, let's just use a fun story I used uh, back in the day. I read a book about 10 years ago. Uh, there was a man at a light, which is a driving illustration since we're talking about uh, driving with joy. So there's this man at the light, and uh, he is 
uh, you know, texting or whatever, and he's distracted from the light, and there's a lady behind him. And now, here's the deal. We all can agree with this. When the light turns green, you're the person behind him. How long do you give him? I give him one second. One honk, okay? Then there's some people like, one, two, three, four, okay, honk, okay? Those are those people. And then there's other people like, green, go! You know, and they're like, I'm going! And so this person uh, sitting behind uh, this guy, he's texting, right away starts honking, nothing's happening. The whole time, the person's distracted. Finally, uh, the lady honks like crazy at the guy. Like, come on, get out of the way. Honk, honk. Nothing. At the very end, he's like, oh my gosh, I gotta go. Goes through the light. Uh, it's yellow. He's the only one that goes through. She's uh, behind him. She stops at the red light. She rolls her window down. She starts cussing at him. Beep, beep, beep. She gives him a wave and something else. I, you just fill in the blank there, okay? Um, and she's just going off. And then right behind her, what she didn't know is there's a cop car behind her. And so the cop lights, boo boo, pulls her over, arrests her, puts her in a prison cell, uh, comes back an hour later, runs all the plates, and comes back and apologizes. He says, I'm so sorry, I arrested you. I assumed the car was stolen. And she goes, why did you assume the car was stolen? Well, I saw the WWJD bumper sticker, I saw the, uh, the Jesus fishy, I saw the follow me to church on Sunday, and I assumed there's no way a Christian was driving that car because there's no way that the plates were matching your actions. Now, 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 let me just, just hear this real quick. Paul is saying, hey, here's the deal. You're gonna go through trials, the world is watching. You're, if, if a person at the stoplight that doesn't go fast enough for you is gonna make you buckle, there's no way you're gonna actually get through a trial. He's saying a crooked generation responds that way. Not a believer in Christ, work out your salvation. He's saying, hey, you're gonna have a hard marriage, your, your wife or your spouse is gonna drive you nuts. You don't respond the same way, you forgive them. Rachel gets upset one day and she's you know, exploding on me, whatever, I go, babe, I forgive you. I'm gonna respond like a Christian. I love you. I get that you are upset with me right now. You're gonna get patient again. I love you. Never happens, actually. She does that to me. If you're at work with somebody, man, we don't act like the world. Those things don't break us. The opposite, we actually shine in those moments. Imagine if that guy that was at the light texting and standing there, if the woman would have got out of the car and said, sir, is there anything? Do you need help? Are you asleep? Do you want me to call an ambulance for you? Oh, you're just being really rude? Get driving. Okay, thanks, bye. That's not what she did. My, my, my prayer for our church is that we would be ones that would represent the house well. That when you leave here, you know the biggest reason why people don't come to church? Can I just say it? Can I say it to the camera? Can I say it? The biggest reason why people don't come to church is because of you. Let me say it this way. You know the biggest reason why people come to church? Also because of you. And Paul's saying, man, you're it. Work out your salvation. Shine in the toughest times because when people see you operate the way you do, they're going to want what you have. Can I get an Amen. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like life is like a long road trip. It just feels like a really long journey. And so what Paul does in the last uh, few chapters, if you look at Philippians 2, he gives four examples of how to navigate through trials. He uses Jesus as an example. He uses himself as an example. Then he uses Timothy as an example, and then Epaphroditus as an example. So we're gonna look at Paul's example, Timothy's example, and Jesus' example. So here's Paul's example. Paul shows us how to rejoice in the drive, how to rejoice in traffic, how to rejoice in the car wreck. It's how to rejoice. So Philippians 2 uh, says this, hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that it did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Man, if you're at home, just, man, let's share some joy together. Man, joy is not to be held on to. If you have a good day, oh, celebrate with people. Come on. Goes on to say, yes, you should rejoice. Two rejoices, and I will share your joy. Come on, over and over again. Uh, you've heard me say this. I'll say it again. I Google the end of movies. I just do it. I can't help myself. 
Um, I hate bad endings of movies, um, but I've taken a step further now. I don't only Google the end of movies. So if I Google an end of movie, if you're brand new tuning in, this is just one of my weaknesses, pray for me. But if a movie ends poorly, I will not go see it in the theaters. Um, like even when I saw Avengers, I knew the Iron Man died. I was okay with it because it still ended well. If you haven't seen Avengers, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But something I do now even is I actually find out who the director and writer of a movie is. And there are some director and writers that I just stay away from. Uh, if you're watching this, Ryan Johnson, you're probably not. You wrote Star Wars. You ruined Star Wars, by the way. Um, uh, just keeping it real. Ryan Johnson movies, I won't even, if he's directing or writing a movie, I'm like, get me a different director, different writer. I'm not even going to give it a shot. We tried to watch his new movie. Rachel and I, I turned it off in hours. Like, why am I being punked by this guy? He writes terrible movies. They're all sad. They end terribly. I don't want any more. And here's what Paul's saying. Let's look at it. Let's even look at Romans 5 is what he's saying. Let's look at Romans 5. He's talking on, on this journey, you're going to have to rejoice. Rejoice is remembering. It's remembering the joy, remembering the promise of joy, rejoicing. Remember the joy. He goes on, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the end of the movie. Rejoice in the end of the movie. Rejoice in the end of the car, uh, car ride. There are no more tears. I, I, I know that death is a scary thing, but Jesus died on a cross and resurrected, so we wouldn't be afraid of death the same way. We have a future glory. Goes on to say, we rejoice in the hope of glory. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Talked about that last week, that what sufferings produce. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Not a hope so kind of hope, but a confident hope, a living hope. Jesus is our hope. It produces that kind of hope. Go down to verse 11, it says this, more than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Stop. He's saying, okay, I get it. If, if you can't rejoice at the end of the movie about heaven, if that doesn't make you rejoice, rejoice in who you're gonna become through the hardship. Okay, if you can't rejoice in that on the car ride, rejoice in the one writing the story. Because here's what I love about the Bible. I'll read Genesis. And you'll hear Abraham, and Abraham will blow it over and over again. And if I'm being honest, like, by, like, the third time Abraham fails, I'm like, Lord, just delete him and start with somebody else. This guy's a joke. I'm just, this, if, if I'm just, I'm not God. You're welcome. Okay, this is a good thing. Then, he, then I hear about Moses. I'm like, Moses, how did you, how did you stay so committed to Moses? And then I start putting myself in those stories and saying, man, I sure do love the author of this book. Man, I sure do love that he's the one that is so patient. It's the opposite of the Ryan Johnson effect of all the movies that he's ruined for me. Every time I see the, the author and the finisher the Bible says about of our life, oh, it just shows us over and over again that he knows how to finish our story. That his character knows how to write us out of the valleys. He knows how to redeem chapters that you put in the book that should never been in the book. He knows how to take failures and betrayals and say, you think the betrayal defines your life? Watch me write the greatest chapter of your life, how you redeemed from that betrayal and failure. He says, rejoice in the author. Rejoice in the one that actually is the one that's making the road for you. Another thing I, I just want to point out, if I could just be honest, there's two ways people are going to process even this coronavirus thing right now. They're going to process uh, tough times. You can either detach or you can rejoice. Epicurus was this famous ancient Greek philosopher in 250 B.C. It got a lot of steam, so much steam that there was universities. People actually would call themselves Epicureans. And, and what it was, he had four tenets on how to have joy, how to never get hurt again how to make sure that you never went through a trial again. Here were his four tenets. His four tenets was, he says, forget about God. Don't even think there is a God. Don't even worry about it. There is no God. It's going to simplify things. Next one, he says, forget about death. It's just a sleep. Who cares about death? You're just going to, just like you didn't know before you are born, well, when you die, just forget about death. So forget about God, forget about death. Forget about pain. 
Don't even think about pain. Detach yourself from pain. And last but not least, forget about pursuing joy. Because a lot of people are actually afraid of pursuing joy. They don't actually think it's obtainable. They think it's this, this myth out there. So, so what they would do is they would detach from culture completely. A lot of a Buddhist teachings are like this too. And so basically, let's just detach from everything. Let's not think about anything. And even right now with the coronavirus, some people are like, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it. All I do is watch movies. I'm good. And they're saying, no, 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 don't, don't detach from the realities of the world. We're facing trials right now. Don't detach that your marriage isn't the way it should be. Don't detach from it and ignore it. Just say, I, I know that our marriage could be actually what it could be. I'm not going to detach. I'm going to rejoice and know that God can rewrite write this story for my marriage. I'm not going to detach from the society saying, man, this is how we operate as people. No, I'm going to rejoice and say, God, you can redeem this story. We're not detachers on our car ride. We don't detach and stop thinking about the bad things. We rejoice that God can redeem the bad things. Last but not least, Timothy shows us how to exercise in trials, how to exercise. Philippians 2, if you have a Bible, just going all the way through the whole chapter. I like this. The Lord Jesus is willing. I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Woof. Can I just pause right there? I want the people closest to me to think the best about me. Look at this. Paul's saying, this is my son. I know him well. Oh, and he's just bragging about how great he is. I don't want the people, uh, the people closest to me, I want them to know how joyful I am. Not, I don't want to have a persona of joy. I want to be a person of joy. And that's Timothy. Go to say, who generally cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters in Jesus Christ. But you know how, to, uh, how Timothy has proved himself. Everybody say, proved himself. <laughs> it's a big deal. I, uh, uh, I had a GMC terrain when we first moved up here. And one of the first things we wanted to do when we moved up was like, we got to go to Tahoe. Never been to Tahoe before. Oh, we're going to go experience Tahoe. GMC Terrain, two-wheel drive. It's basically a car with a little SUV on top of it. Uh, if you have a GMC Terrain, get rid of it. I did. I hated it, okay? And so Rachel and I were like, we're going to go up to Tahoe. We're going to go play in the snow. It's going to be amazing. Well, the problem is, is that we came up with the wrong car and the wrong tires. So it snowed that day. And I remember us actually trying to get up a hill on the car ride, and the GMC Terrain starts sliding backwards on the hill on the way to our North Star little condo thing and I was like oh I started freaking out and and Rachel and we had our friends the guards were with us in the back and everybody's like laughing this is awesome I'm like this is not awesome we can get a car wreck and then as I'm sliding backwards there's this little Subaru that goes boom, right past us I was like I gotta get me a Subaru I was, I was, I was like oh dang I started realizing all-wheel drive snow tires what you need in Tahoe I came up to Tahoe we were driving through each road we'd slide I mean it was the most dangerous time of my life and the, the, this is literally, like, we got home, we got rid of the GMC terrain. Got myself a Jeep Wrangler with 35-inch tires, snow rated. I ain't afraid to drive nowhere now. I just, like, I see dirt sometimes, and I just get off the road a little bit. Like, take that dirt, snow rated, okay? <laughs> we put it this way. Tahoe is dangerous with the wrong tires. Tahoe is dangerous with the wrong tires. Let me put it, put, put it in, a, in a more intense way. Life is dangerous with the wrong people. And he's saying to the church of Philippi, I'm going to send you the right people. I'm going to send you somebody who's proven. They're storm rated. They know how to navigate through trials. And so he says, hey, I can't wait to send you Timothy. I'm not sending you Timothy. I'm sending you joy. I'm sending you somebody who has been through the storms and says, I know how to get through it. You go on to study Timothy's life. It says this verse. It's, he, he understood that life may not get easier, but he could get stronger. First Timothy 4, 7 says, exercise yourself unto holiness. And we always want to say, like, how do I, how do I uh, have this joy? How do I actually finish with this kind of joy? Well, what happens with Timothy is that his church is being destroyed by Emperor Nero. Nero is literally uh, setting Christians on fire. People are dying at his church. It would be one of the most devastating things to show up to church the next Sunday and say, hey, what happened to da-da-da? Yeah, Nero got him last week. Nero, Nero had him killed. And so Paul writes him a letter and doesn't say, hey, 
Don't worry about it, detach from it, it's all good. No, he doesn't get some weird Christian answer. He says, hey, Timothy, you gotta exercise yourself unto holiness. And it's this proven moment in Timothy's life where he, he really does prove that he understands life may not get easier. The valley may get a little darker, but I can get brighter. And he goes, really what this, this means, exercise, is guzmato. It's a Greek word that, that literally would be used as for the UFC fighters of that day. It wasn't UFC, but it was base UFC. And they would train so intensely uh, in the heat uh, where they knew that when they went into battle for their UFC fight, that it was life and death. There was no tapping out. They knew they would die. So the way they would train before that battle is they would prepare knowing that if I don't prepare the right way, I could lose in the ring and lose my life. And he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you're gonna have to guzmato up. You're gonna have to pray like your life depends on it. You're gonna have to believe like your life depends on it. You're gonna have to have a joy that the church's life depends on it. You're gonna have to encourage people like their life depends on it. My buddy shot me a text today, and it was a little extreme. I'm just gonna be honest, it was a little extreme. He's like, hey, with this coronavirus thing, preach every sermon like it's your last. You could die. <laughs> what? All right, pause, rewind. Let's not do that one. I was like, uh-huh. And really what he was saying is say, everything, like we just take it for granted. I, last Sunday, we were in a church service. People were worshiping. It was an electric, amazing service. The following week, we don't even get to be in there anymore. I never want to take it for granted. I want to pray like my life depends on it. I want to pray that our church life depends on it. That's the, when you drive, oh, imagine being prayed up before you walk out and see all the news. Be reminded that God is king. Be reminded that your story's been written. You won't be stressed out the same way the world is. You'll be exercised unto joy. You'll be a, a mark of joy that nobody's ever seen. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. We're gonna finish with this. Jesus shows us how to endure trials. Jesus shows us how to endure trials. So you need to rejoice on the car ride. You need to exercise in the car ride. You need to get a little orange theory, a little cross fitness in your life. Come on now. And the last but not least, you need to know how to endure through the car ride. There's just sometimes an endurance. It says this in James 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You ever met somebody so positive they drive you nuts? They're always like, how's today? It's great. How's your food? It's fantastic. This is like James right now. Hey, everybody, consider it pure joy if you're going through trials. So positive. Almost makes me negative. You know what I'm saying? And he goes on to say, an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Oof. That word endurance is hupame in Greek. I tried my best. Hypame is another way you could say it. Two words in one word, endurance. Hyper, meaning super, and then may, meaning standing. And he's saying to, to, to James, James is saying to us, Jesus' brother, hey, when this happens, when a trial happens, consider it pure joy because you're about to become a super stander. Because when trials come, we're not supposed to retreat. When trials come, we're not supposed to stop praying. When trials come, we don't stop celebrating. We don't start complaining. We're a little different. We're super standers. And I was like, super stander? Like, so that's the way you're telling me? You're supposed to be a super stander? What does it mean to be a super stander? Let me ask you this as we go through this new season. Were you praying before we stopped meeting on Sundays? Keep praying. Were you still shooting people encouraging texts uh, before we stopped meeting on Sundays and only doing online? We'll keep texting people encouraging texts. Were you still reading your Bible and trying to build the kingdom? We'll keep building the kingdom. What he's saying is no matter what trial happens, we don't retreat, we go forward. So how, does, how do we become super standards? Well, I think we become super standards because there was an ultimate super standard, his name's Jesus. It says in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, 
let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy. Man, you start reading the Bible, you don't think joy is a part of the theme of the Bible, you better get a new Bible, it's everywhere, okay? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Everybody say endured. Come on, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured, another one, say endured one more time. Endured such an opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Stop. It's saying that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he became the superstanders of all superstanders. The gates of hell, the wrath, the mocking of men, and he could have said, you know what, this is too much. This is the biggest trial anybody's ever gone through. I'm gonna quit. It's not worth it. But he knew the joy that laid ahead of him. And that was you and I. That was the promise of heaven. And he said, I can superstand for that. I can endure for the joy that lies behind me. And that's, that's being with my father, sitting at his right hand. I, I can stand for that. And, and I think a lot of you, you gotta find your why this, this season of your life. You gotta find why you're gonna still believe God is good when we start to see terrible things happen in the news. You're gonna have to find your why you're gonna still love people when they're acting like a fool in the grocery store and cutting you off. You're gonna have to find your why when your spouse is acting in a way that you wouldn't act or say, you know what, I get it. If God can stand against the gates of hell, I can stand against the grocery line at Whole Foods. And I'd love for Mission Church to, to shine in this, this season. This is not a normal season of church. It's unprecedented, to be honest. And I've just been praying for myself and for you that we would be a church that everybody's been waiting to see. That, that's the best way I can say it. You ever meet somebody and they say, hey, do you know that I could, I, could, I could throw that football over that mountain? And the first thing they say is prove it. You ever make somebody say, you know, I could, I could dunk two-handed. I got, I got hops, I could dunk two-handed. What's the next thing they say? Prove it. Well, for a long time, the world has said, man, my God is great. Man, my God redeems. Man, my God gave me a joy that's not of this world. And I think the world is gonna watch and say to the Christians and to the church, this is your chance to prove it. Are you a superstander or not? Are you a bringer of joy or not? Are you somebody who takes joy and you're just as afraid? I heard a pastor say, we are not human beings, we're human becomings. So in this season, are you gonna become more joyful or more dreadful? Are you gonna become more loving or more hateful? Are you gonna become more negative or more positive? I'm gonna become what God called me to be because here's what happens, he says, you become complete. How do we become complete? Why does he say complete? He's saying, when you learn how to superstand, that's when you're like Jesus, like nothing else. Our completeness is when we become like our savior. And we always go, what does that look like? One of the greatest attributes a Christian will have is standing in the midst of chaos and saying, I still believe you, God. Standing in the midst of chaos saying, God, you're good. Losing a loved one and saying, God, I believe you can redeem. Standing in the midst of death and saying, God, thank you for conquering it. This is not the end of the story. There's a, this promise of heaven. Oh Lord, I believe you. I super stand right now. Those are super standing uh, uh, statements that is advanced Christianity. And I'm asking God to develop my heart that I can make those statements and live those statements. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.